I'm reading the scripture uh, that Alan will be speaking from today. It's Isaiah 55, and as I was telling Isaiah, sitting at the back of the church, um, sorry to call you out, bud, but I just had to. Um, this is one of my favorite passages, Isaiah 55, 1 to 13. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you that have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and the nations that do not know you shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy on them and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in that for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace, and the mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall be to the Lord for a memorial, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Well, today is the third Sunday of Lent, and Lent is a time of 40 days that leads up to uh, the Easter Passion Week, and as I've explained, uh, Lent is meant to be a time to really reflect and focus on Jesus, who he is, what he's done for us, to align ourselves with him as disciples, so followers, followers of Jesus. So, of course, we want to do that all year long, but in Lent, we have 40 days to particularly think about that. 
and uh, be mindful of him. So it's interesting, in the liturgical year, the color purple, we have these banners up at the front, is a color that's attached to this season. In Advent, we use the color blue, royal blue, Christ the King, purple for Lent, mindful of Jesus and his uh, sacrifice for us, his giving of love. So that's the colors. So there's colors to each of the seasons, Pentecost, vibrant red. So here we are, the third season, and we're using the theme of bread as a symbol of Christ's life for us, okay? So bread, broken for us. Last week we looked at the verse from Deuteronomy, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, bread. So each of these weeks we've been thinking of Jesus as the bread of life, and we're going to stick with that right up actually through Easter Sunday. So here today, what energizes you? What, what is the spiritual food that you munch on or interior food? Just what, 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 what motivates you inside? What energizes your interior person? We, we all know we have that, our consciousness, when you think and reflect in your mind. So we can call that our interior self. How do we feed and nurture our interior self? And so bread then is the symbol for that munching that we're doing. What's the spiritual bread we eat? Are we just eating junk food spiritually? Or do we eat something that's more nutritious, more helpful for us? Now, when used to talk about, you know, a writer in spirituality, we'd go around with a garbage can and we just put all kinds of crap and whatever we receive every day, we're just piling it in this garbage can we have in our head. We're not very mindful of what we take in. So in Lent, we're mindful to think about Jesus. So as Bonnie said, this is a lovely text. Uh, verse 2 says, why do, you spend, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? spiritual bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. What kind of bread are we eating? The prophet said, Isaiah, one of the four major prophets. Someone has written this, all the fitness he requires is to feel your need of him. That's it. All God wants from you is for you to have a heart that's open to him. If we do that, if we live with open hands before him, he'll take care of the rest. But of course, the challenge is, is often we're living like this. We're not living like this before him at all. We're, we're tight and uptight and closed interiorly, living in a lot of fear. All the fitness he requires is to feel your need of him. And that's the, that's the, the theme that we'll see in this text. We'll see it as we go. God's invitation. So the only requirement then, so what I've just said, the only requirement that we have and that this text is going to talk about is that we have a heart that seeks him. Why do we thirst for everything else? Why do we hunger for everything else? 
You know, we can make our, our career, you know, everything to us. We can make our, what? Our money, everything to us. Just go on and on, our, our desires. We can focus on all kinds of other things. Go after that. Greed. When Paul writes about greed, he's, he's not just thinking about money. He's thinking about whatever is greedy. In his mind, idols. Idols back in the first century. What are we making as so important to us? What are we going after? Do we search and seek for God, or are we thirsting after other things? Everyone who thirsts, come to the water. Why put all your effort into things that will not satisfy, the writer is saying, the prophet. So do we hunger and thirst for God? You know in your own life if that's the case or not. I know it. If I, am I really hungering for God? He's the creator, I'm the creature. It makes sense that I would want to know him. But just because it makes sense doesn't mean that we'll do it. We, we do all kinds of things that aren't sensible, right? All kinds of stuff all over the years. Not really sensible, but we do it. So the writer reminds us in verses 1 and 2, right through verse 5, really, the only requirement is the hunger and thirst of God. So will we do that? Reality is, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we don't do it. So let's look at this text, Matthew 22, just as an example. Jesus tells a parable. The parable is of a great, great feast. A landowner decides I'm going to throw a great feast for all my friends, all my buddies, everybody who knows me in this town. They're all going to be invited. And what we're told in Matthew 22, 1 to 10, is that they all start making excuses, and they won't come. They're too busy to come. So even though they're going to get a great free meal, abounding in an incredible way, they don't. Verse 5 of Matthew 22. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business. They just make excuses. They don't want to go. And so again, God says, Ho, thirst after me, and I will meet your needs. And we say, in a way, no. I'm busy, I've got a lot of things on the go, I really don't have time, maybe in the future, maybe 20 years from now, I'll give you some attention, God, but right now, no. And you know, when we phrase it whatever way we want, or it's just silence, we don't get back to God at all. Calls on the phone, nobody answers. So that can be us. But notice the writer, I mean, the, the landowner says, okay, the wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. And those servants went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad, so the wedding hall was filled with guests. People are invited, finally, and some come. But the friends he had in the beginning didn't. 
So our response is often like that. So if we go back, the requirement is, will I hunger and thirst for God? Pretty straight ahead. The response can be just like those in that feast. We say no, we are too busy, we don't go. So you know where you're at on that, right? What's your response to God when he says, come, come to me, all you that are heavy and weary, Come to me and I will give you rest, Jesus says. Will we do that? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. That's interesting. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. There is a time when we got to act. Because he's not always near. In the sense that we, we just, we have, at times you'll have a, a feeling of responding, and you don't respond. You may not have that feeling again for a long time. It won't strike you to go. You, you won't even want to go. Part of it is the Spirit's work in our lives. Will we hear? Will we not? Will we hear? Will we hear? We say no. I'll go where people want me. So seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way, note, and the unrighteous their thoughts. Their thoughts. What's going on inside? Let them return to the Lord, that he may have mercy on them, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So the first piece is God's invitation. The second is God's intention. Seek God. God waits with an open door. Our job is to choose and enter into it. Not so hard. Seek. Go through the open door. Will we do it? Indeed, will we return to God? And notice what happens here. When we return to God, we find God's mercy and we experience God's pardon. Created me a clean heart, we sang. Because God is there. He is merciful. He is compassionate. He will indeed give us mercy, give us compassion, give us his kindness, give his forgiveness, his love. So right here, it's not God's inattention, but our own will that keeps us back. So don't blame it on God. If you don't have a relationship with him, it's not God's fault. God is there for you. The door is open. Go through the door. Normally, it's because we just don't go through the door. Return to God. Seek God, he says, return to him. Isaiah puts it this way, See, the Lord's hand is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. Rather, your iniquities have been your barriers between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. God is there for us. But stuff gets in the way, and then we won't go. So God's intention is for our relationship. He has an invitation. He has an intention. What is our response? And what I think is important, what is the disposition of our heart? Our own logic can get in the way. That's why these verses are written here in Isaiah 55. If you follow what he's got, he says this, My ways are not your ways. 
Notice verse 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Note, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Why does the writer put that in right there? My thoughts are not your thoughts. The heavens are higher than, than you possibly could know. We don't, we don't plumb the depths of God. We, we, we don't. But at times, that is meaning our logic gets in the way. We think we can figure it all out. We think we know better. We think we know God's ways completely. We don't. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. So we, we, can, we can plumb a little bit, but we don't get it all. Elsie and I, Elsie's downstairs, we went to see Ant-Man, the new Ant-Man. Ant-Man and what is it? The, uh, the insides of the computer, the quantum, whatever, right? And the whole idea of Ant-Man is Ant-Man goes in to the quantum world to do his work and to, you know, he's, got, he's on a mission right there. You get, in fact, they get drawn in. What's my point? Well, Ant-Man gets along very nicely with ants. And he can go miniature. He can go small, 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 small. Tiny, tiny, tiny like an ant. And then at other times he can blow him up and he can be real big. And, and we're like ants, you know what I mean? In terms of our mental capacity, in terms of our understanding of the universe, we, are, <laughs> we have to be humble here. That's what the text is saying. We don't get it all. We're not all Ant-Man and what he can do back and forth. We are the ants. My ways are not your ways. The heavens are higher than we can understand. So what is the disposition of our heart? We, we don't understand it all. And that means we have to have a certain humility, a certain meekness, even as Jesus demonstrated. Even in heaven we won't understand it all completely. It's just God is God. God is God, God. We are creature. So it, it, it asks for an openness. So our logic can get in the way. That's what the prophet is saying. We think we can figure it all out, but no, we can't. So what is our response to that? Let's go back to that. Got that one. So what is needed? I like what Gerald May says. What is needed is the fleeting glance. And a lot of times, that's all we can muster. We don't get it. We don't understand it. We have a hurt. We have pain. It's interesting, by the way, that this whole text happens while the people are in exile. They're not in Israel. They're in Babylon. They are far from their home. They are servants. They are under the hand of, of the sovereign lands. And yet, the writer says here, Listen to my voice. Hear my voice. Respond to me even when you are in exile. 
And so spiritually, we can find ourselves in exile. Personally, we can. The hurts we carry, the pain we carry, the, the exile we feel right now because of whatever, health issues. We can feel like we are in exile. Despair. The spirit of lamentations. That can be where we are. But the word still comes to us even when we are in that place. So sometimes all we can muster is a fleeting glance. That's it. That's it. But that's all that God needs. That's all that God wants. You might not be able to do anything more than that. We just, we, we just cry out in our own way. It's the fleeting glance. You see what I mean? Instead of this, it's this. So sometimes that's all we can do. And James talks about our hearts yearning for him. Do you not know that God yearns for your spirit? James writes. He wants you. He loves you. He cares for you. So in the challenges we face, maybe that's all we can do. You don't have enough strength to do anything more than that. But this text is saying God knows that. God knows that. God understands. All we have to do is have a heart for him. That's what he wants. That's all he wants. A fleeting glance. So the text is God's desire for us, his invitation. Secondly, his intention. And then we go to God's effectiveness. I, I love this verse. You've heard it forever. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. That's why we sang, let your word speak. Let your word speak, that last song. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word. God's word. The spoken word. Genesis says, in the beginning was the Word. God speaks the Word. They have this new satellite out, right? The web. It's out there, what, about two million miles from the Earth. It gets really clear pictures. And it's getting pictures of the very early parts of our universe. And, they, they, and they're finding new things, astounding things that they, they didn't know before. Galaxies that, that in their scientific method shouldn't even be there are there. They're already there. They say, wow, wow, we didn't expect that. So there's a whole thing. Let God's word speak. It's one of the reasons why in our sermons we focus on the scriptures, because God's word speaks. God's word resonates. may not resonate right in the moment, but through the week something can come back and speak to you. You'll forget all, everything that I've said. Forget Davy, it doesn't matter. The words, these words, they'll have some power. Let the word speak. That's what the writer is saying. So God's effectiveness. So that's where it ends. Snow, rain, water produces results. You can see it. The verse is there. The snow comes, the rain comes, and things happen. Do they not? A little bit of sun happens, and everything starts turning green. So the elements come, and there's a response. The writer is saying God's word does the same. God's word works it's effective. So it, it, it makes sense then that we will read it, we will hear it, we will store it. Beth and I have had a, 
a really cool um, student. His name is Errol. And Errol works and with youth organizations across the province and across Canada. And one thing Errol has got going for him, he knows scripture. He's, he, he knows it. He's always quoting scripture. He's like full up. He knows thousands of verses, way more verses than I know. And, and he likes to sing. So in the class, all of a sudden, he'll go, uh, let the word speak. Like he'll start reciting scripture. He'll start singing in the class. Kind of funny, but anyway, that's what Errol does. Maybe we should hire Errol. We'll get Errol in here. God's word works. It's effective. And what is it about? It's about homecoming. It's about you're not always going to be in exile. Trust and depend. God is there. Notice. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. And then it says, get, instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. Thorn and briar were symbols. In the day of desolation, of challenges, thorns, briar. And so when the prophet says they will be changed into the cypress and the myrtle, he's using a metaphor that people got right away. Rob and I were a couple of years ago in an island and diving, and then we, we stopped on the way back in the Turks and Caicos and went to this deserted island. No, nobody on this deserted island. It's like there. And by the way, there was plastic bottles all over that island, a deserted island covered with plastic that the ocean had waved up, distressing. But the other thing was, there were thorns everywhere. If you went for a walk up over the brush, there were thorns, they were like all over, they just stick to you, stick to you, taking off your feet. Some of the guys went, went with bare feet and they, all of a sudden they, they had thorns in their feet and it took them an hour to get all them out. It was crazy on this deserted island, it looked so pretty. Not so pretty to be walking around on. Homecoming. So God has a homecoming for us. And our job is to remember that. To remember that we have hope in the midst of all of the challenges, in the midst of the exile experience. Flex your faith muscle. Say, I look to you, God. I don't understand it. My logic does not get it all, but I look to you. Why? Because you and I do not understand the whole story. We don't understand it all. So it calls us to have faith. If you're trying to understand everything and won't move until you get it all, it's going to be a tough go because you won't get there. I remember talking to a young guy years ago and and he wanted to become a Christian, but he wouldn't become a Christian until he figured out every answer. Because he didn't want some friend to ask him something that he didn't know. And I was saying, man, that's never going to happen. You're never going to get to a point where you can give every answer. It requires some faith. Faith for you and faith for the other person. So God's word is effective. The prophet is saying God is effective in your life amidst the challenges. 
So where do we go with that going forward? What does it mean? So bread is a symbol for our hunger, right? Only God will satisfy. That is what we need to know. Augustine became a Christian like later in his 20s. And, and, and interesting enough, he came through reading the Word. It was through the Word that he came. That's how he, became, that's how he converted. And he said in his, in his confessions, wonderful work, that I was chasing everything you had created. And I was chasing that, but I wasn't looking to you, the Creator. I was getting sidetracked with everything. All the beauty. All the wonders out there. And that's when I was going off, and I missed that you were the hand behind it all. So do we hunger, seek God during this season of Lent? Now is the time of response. Last week we looked at the word today, today. Today you've got to do it. That's, that's the language. Now you've got to do it. If you're feeling something in your heart right now, then that's, that's a sign from God I should take care of this today. Don't let it go, and then next week you think about it, because next week it may not have any meaning for you. Now. That was the word. Now the door is open. So will I go through it? And not just initially, but all through life. Now. Now. We're into a new year. And you made some... New Year's resolutions. And here we are already in March and, and you've already broken them all. Okay. The text still says now. It's not too late. Now we can go after that one. Whatever that one was. Hear God's now. His statement. All are invited but none are forced. Like that. Everyone is invited. Eight billion people on the planet, everyone is invited. God invites everyone. How? How it all works? We don't get it all. Places in the world, they've never even heard of Jesus. They don't know Jesus. All are invited. So how are they invited? God knows. I don't know. But they are invited. Somehow they know. Paul says we will be judged by the light that we have. Romans 1, Romans 2. How? We don't know how at all, but no one is forced, but everyone is invited. That's good news. That's good news. Good news for you, good news for your family, good news for your loved ones. Everyone is invited. All we have to do is the fleeting glance. Just look. God will take care of it. He is compassionate. What happens? You will receive mercy. You will receive kindness, forgiveness. That's what the text says. That's the kind of God we have. And so God is faithful. So we are, we are invited to be hopeful and to live on the promises that we have. We understand. Trust in him. Don't be anxious. It's easy to say, right? I know that. Look to him. Hope is real. The promises are real. God is real. 
He fulfilled his word to Abraham. He fulfilled his word to Moses. He fulfilled his word to Jesus. He will do for us too. So live in hope. Say yes. In spite of the clouds, in spite of the human overcast we live under, in spite of the questions, look to him. Look to him. With fleeting glance, God. Two types of prayers, what? Help me, help me, help me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's it. I was recording an audio book recently for Abba's Whisperer, and the engineer only said one thing in the whole time I was doing it. When I read that prayer, he said, I like that. <laughs> for the whole book. <laughs> when I said, there's two types of prayers, help me, help me, help me, thank you, thank you, thank you, he stopped and said, I like that. Rest of the book, he didn't say boo. <laughs> so what does that mean? Well, that, those words probably mean something. Help me, help me, help me, thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep trusting, depending, leaning on him in the midst of it all. That's the invitation. So will we do that? Will you do that in this third week of Lent? I hope we do. I hope all of us will do that. Open our hands in the midst of the questions. In Jesus' name, amen.